What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast powered by our friends over at X2 Power Batteries. We are back with another episode, and as always, I'm your host, Bailey Eichbrett, and join with me off a fresh haircut is the captain, Mr. Andy Full. What's going on, buddy? <laughs> Quite disheveled today, Quite disheveled. As, as you can see, but uh, you know, it, it is good to be back here, and um, the small mouth are starting to bite finally. Um, we're going to go on a healthy string of fish catching here the next like 12 days in a row, I think. And uh, I'm going to be exhausted, but I can't wait. I was going to say, we were saying offline with our guest, Mr. Matt Thompson, who's going to join us here, uh, that you have no, you're not allowed to complain in the next 11 days because you're going to be fishing in the best time of year. Yeah, but it's also like the worst time of year just from a weather standpoint, standpoint like today as we're recording this. We can't, okay. We need to start this episode off. We can't we can't complain about weather right now. <laughs> <We're not laughs> That's fair. That's fair. It is cooling down quick and it's awesome. But the weather forecast today was five to ten south southwest winds. And I got on the lake, it was blowing twenty-five out of the north, and there was three footers. Uh, my boat is soaking wet, and now we're gonna have a frost warning tonight, and I have a guide trip tomorrow, and my boat sits outside. So <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think you're going to be perfectly fine. Uh, I more say we have no room to complain because uh, people in Florida right now. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, they yeah. Uh, they're going through through the shit, and uh, I say that, and I apologize for my French, but that is the only word that really describes. Well, it doesn't really even do it justice what they're going through. Um, so keep those in Florida uh, from Florida, and hopefully when it hits the Carolinas here, it's not as bad. Hopefully it's just a simple tropical storm. They get a little rain, and that's the most of it. But um, a lot of people are in uh, in need of a lot of help, and uh, hits 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 home for me right now because my grandparents and my parents are were, were ten miles. Well, they weren't in present, but their homes were ten miles from where this thing hit, like hit land. Their houses. I got pictures today. My grandma's house is good. The pool place, like the behind the house, a pool, a cage, and everything's all destroyed. Uh, you used to never be able to see behind our house because the trees, and now it looks like a barren wasteland. All the trees were destroyed. Stuff's all over the place. Um, no update on the parents' house yet, but fingers crossed they're going to try to get back tomorrow. They booked it down to Miami, so they they were safe. They were good. But they're going to try to drive back tomorrow if they can even get back to their house, try to assess the damage, and then pending how that goes, fingers crossed everything's all good. If It's minor at most. Um, but worst case scenario, my brother and I are basically on standby to get in the truck and haul butt down to Florida to go help. But so hopefully fingers crossed, Andy, you're not stranded on the show for the next couple of weeks by yourself. Oh, and no. hopefully my parents are all good, uh, with, you know, with their house and everything. It is my dad. Uh, I have obviously my dad's, you know, like my hero and all that, but I have a, a admiration for my dad for the fact that. He's like calling me joking and laughing. He's like, you know, son of a bitch. You know, like I buy this house in July and then I you know, hurricane comes in three months later. Like at least he's laughing about it, but it's uh, I know a lot of people are in the same situation. So uh, thoughts are with everybody going through that crap. Yeah. And if there's a way we can help, obviously please reach out. Um, but to get back on the positive side, some big stuff coming out tomorrow. We, we announced it on a uh, serious angler social media but a brand new show to the Serious Angler Podcast Network dropping tomorrow morning. It's going to be every Saturday. It's the new 
Lure Lab podcast. It's the Lure Lab. It's the Fishing Tackle podcast on the Serious Angler Network, and it's something that uh, that Captain here is steering for us. He has taken the charge. He's taken the wheel, and uh, we're doing one show a week. And feel, Andy, feel free to jump in here, but it's going to be one technique, one bait a week that we're going to dive into like real deep for 15, 20 minutes, yeah. giving you everything you need to know about that specific bait. And it's going to be every Saturday morning at 6 a.m. Basically, it's going to be all the need to knows of how we fish certain techniques. And as bass fishing goes, um, you can take it to heart or use it to your advantage, right? And help yourself become a better angler. But the other thing is, too, we want a lot of feedback on this show because the more you give us feedback, the more we're able to invest and dive into furthering ourselves within techniques so that we can relay it back to you, the listener and the viewers. And we greatly appreciate. Yeah. So like the hot one coming out. Am I allowed to say it, Bailey? What the hot one coming out yeah, is on Saturday rip. morning? All right. it's, it is an A-rig show. We're talking modifications, best A-rigs that we like, from cheap to expensive, jig heads, swim baits, everything right in that show. So you don't want to miss out on that. And then um, every week there's going to be a new Lure Lab show and just diving into the nitty gritty, maybe some modifications, little things we do to make it fish better, et cetera. And yeah, you don't want to miss it. Yeah. So for folks that are listening right now, if that's something that interests you, you want to listen to it on the same platform, same places that you listen to this show, we will add that link down below uh, as well as there'll be a Lure Lab Instagram page that's linked below as well as a YouTube channel. If you want to watch these episodes and see the different things that we're putting up there and we're showing on the screen. So we do our best to try to put them up on the camera and show you the different things. So if you guys want to see that links are down below, if you guys want to attach that show, we're really excited for it. Just like we're really excited for today's show with Mr. Matt Thompson, who, if you guys remember, we had Mr. Noel Schultz on, the champ from the Champions Tour. And Matt is the angler of the year. But not only that, not only that is impressive. The big because fish of, catcher. Like <laughs> They call him Big Yeti, and they call him Big Yeti for a reason, okay? And we're going to get him on here in a second, but I want to boast about him before he, he shuts me down. <laughs> uh, so... He's known as Big Yeti for a reason. And this is, in my opinion, this is more impressive than an angler of the year. So check this out. This is, this is a legit stat. We talked about this on Noah's show. I'll link actually Noah's show down below if you guys want to listen to it. But out of 15 tournaments, Big Bass in each tournament wins a Yeti cooler. He has won 10 out of 15. That is 10 tournaments out of 15 tournaments. He's gotten Big Bass of the tournament. That is not luck. That is not luck. There is something going on here, and I am excited to bring him on here because we're going to dive in. He's got $4,000 in Yeti coolers. Like, what do you do with that stash of coolers, <laughs> man? Like, We're going to find out because we're going to bring him on right geez. here. What's going on, Matt? <laughs> How we doing, gentlemen? Thank you. <laughs> do you store a lot of beer in the Yeti coolers? Yeah, I'm going to build a throne. That's what I'm doing with my cooler. I'm going to build a, a small throne in my basement. And that's going to be my my spot. So, so here's the question: How many of those are packed full of beer going with you to every event? Do you pack all ten? So it's funny, and you'll <laughs> see it on the uh, Classic Bass it has a YouTube channel, yep. and they do videos throughout the year for the sponsors and the anglers and things like that. Uh, we shot a Yeti kind of a commercial this year. And I didn't realize it until we were shooting the commercial. 
I'm still traveling with the exact same Yeti that I won four years ago at the very first event I fished. And all the other Yetis are stacked in the basement still with the tags on them. So <laughs> basically what you're saying is you're the Yeti cooler plug of Minnesota. I, you know what? I, I, <laughs> I, I, I loved Yeti before I started winning Yetis. It's a lot nicer to win them than pay for them. I will say oh, that. Absolutely. You can start making some bank on those babies. <laughs> yeah. Everybody said, so can I buy a Yeti? Will you give me a Yeti? Can I have one? What you got to remember is when Noah Schultz is driving away from a tournament with a new boat behind him, I'm driving away with a Yeti cooler. That's my trophy. So, yeah, <laughs> nobody's nobody's asking Noah if they can have his boat. So I don't know why anybody <laughs> keeps asking me if they can have my Yeti. <laughs> <laughs> They're mine, bastards. <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, hey, it comes in clutch. You have a big family party. I mean, cooler, yeah. uh, the, the beer's staying cold You're for set. three weeks. <laughs> I, I, and it, so in all honesty, and I'll, I'll tell you this, Bailey, I, I appreciate what you said about what's going on in Florida right now. Uh, I actually, we moved to Florida in 1987. My, my mom is still there. Uh, Terracia Bay, which took the direct hit. Mm, uh, I, I got her on a plane and here I picked her up uh, at one o'clock at the airport and they shut, they closed the airport at five o'clock and oh, yeah, so she's here. I have no idea how our home is. We at this point, we have no idea, and it, it doesn't matter. I'm fortunate she's here, but there's a whole lot of people sitting in Florida right now that, in our minds, the storm's over, right? It, the, the hard things are just happening. You, you're gonna have they. They lost power, but the reason they lost power is the entire infrastructure is gone. It's not like they just got to hook a cable back up to a pole. This is the entire infrastructure is gone. You're going to have people that don't have power for a week. And you've got rescue crews out there right now that are still looking for people that are going through neck deep water that are filled with power lines and Anybody that's been to Florida and knows snakes and alligators and everything else, there's plenty of those that, that the bad things are just starting. So yeah. the hard I, parts I, now. I mean, the hurricane's not even the hardest part. I ask anybody if you're watching this, if you this isn't a this isn't one of those moments where let's feed some kid that I've never seen before in a country that I've never heard of before. This is let's help each other because. Mm-hmm. We all have a picture of Florida of these giant homes on the ocean. There's lots of regular homes in Florida too, and those people need help right yeah. now. Yeah, I saw some pretty crazy pictures today of like Sanibel Island is gone. There's no there's no such thing as Sanibel Island now, which it's is gone. pretty wild. Yeah. And, and uh, the- one thing I did see that was was pretty cool was you know the further we we get into these storms and everything, at least. The one positive thing out of it, as I think, is we're becoming a little bit more prepared, which you think we'd be further prepared than we were already are. But one thing was nice to see, I believe it was on the border of Georgia, Florida, there was like 42,000 linemen ready to go, like for while the storm was still passing through, which is great to see. But I mean, I mean, that's one thing we like big respect to the first responders, the rescue crews, the people that aren't even a first responder that are helping people out there that aren't going to be the unsung heroes. But like the linemen out there are going to be 
absolutely as crucial as these first responders. Like it's if you ever pretty if you ever lost your faith in humanity, it's an it's an incident like this that'll bring you right back to believing. Because when mm-hmm. you see somebody that you might not look twice at on the street risk their life to save somebody they've never met, you know, that and they're not first responder, they just see somebody in trouble and they'll risk their life to help them. It restores all your faith in humanity immediately, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a big deal. That means a lot. That means a lot, especially coming from you, who uh, you know, being a firefighter for so long. You know, we appreciate you and what you do for for your town, your county, for what you do for the country. You know, we appreciate that. And uh, well, what I will leave this with, I saw something interesting from Dakota Meyer, who I'm a, a big fan of. I, I pay attention to like his Twitters and different things. So I, th- I think he's. I like his philosophical outlook on a lot of things and we'll get into bass fishing here in a second. So I apologize to people. We're trying not to bring down the mood, but I think we're, we're, we're not doing any respect if we're not, we don't bring this up. Um, but one thing I think will come, come good out of this with, with any, with any negative that happens is when you see exactly what you said, people that come together. And one thing he said that uh, was a while ago, a couple of years ago, cause our country's kind of going in a straight direction and I'm not going to get political, but he said, Never in his life would he ever, ever wish another 9-11, but he said the country needs another 9-12. And I thought that was a pretty powerful message because that was a day when Amen. it didn't matter what you, you know, who you were or what you, what you be- uh, believed in. 9-12 was a day where everybody got along. Amen. So, yeah. So let's talk about bass fishing now that we put that, put that behind. <laughs> let's talk about bass fishing. So, dude, I know we're almost 15 minutes in, but for, for folks that are new to this show, we always like to go way back to the beginning of where it all started and who got you into bass fishing in the perf- in the first place. Oof. You know, it's funny because you say way back in and, and you guys probably started your careers bass fishing and tell stories about fishing off a dock when you were a kid. I, I grew up a muskie fisherman. There, there was no option. I grew up in a family of muskie guides in northern Wisconsin. My great my great grandfather was, my grandfather was, my uncle was. It was that's what you did. You you fished for muskies. So when I was a kid, when everybody else was fishing walleyes or bluegills or crappies, I was a muskie fisherman. And I was fortunate enough to be in an area that it wasn't really muskie fishing. I did a lot of muskie catching. So I went my entire kid and adult life referring to bass as sewer trout. And those are some of the nicest things I said about them. (laughs) And I I made a lot of fun of them. (laughs) And I thought there was no magic. I'd make fun of bass guys like, dude, some guy cutting the lawn down by the lake, shot a dandelion out of the lawnmower and a bass ate it. Right. So. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) About maybe, I don't know, not, not even a decade ago. I mean, a short time ago. Uh, I'm fortunate enough that I, I've got, because of being on the muskie side of life, I, I've known a ton of people in this industry. And because I was unique, right? That if you want to catch a muskie, you'd come fish with me or something or ask me a question. And one of my best friends is a guy named Joe Carlson, who's the skeeter boat rep from Michigan all the way out to Montana. And another guy, Mark Quartz, who's an NWT walleye circuit angler. Oh, yeah, we, we've never heard of him. Never had him on. Yeah. I mean, Quartz is, 
unbelievable. He's awesome. I love Clint. They're two of my best friends. <laughs> yeah. And they forced me one day, and I mean this, this is a true story. They forced me to sign up for a bass tourney on a lake near us because those two idiots were so sure they had it wrapped up, but they wanted a full field to get the biggest check, right? Literally, that's what they did. And I see where this is going. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> and they partnered me. They partnered me with, they, they said, hey, we got a guy they'll go fishing with you who's nothing but a smallmouth fisherman. Nothing but. And sent us to a lake that there's not a smallmouth within 30 miles of it. And it's literally <laughs> slop fishing. So here we are. <laughs> I owned one bass rod. And I had a bag of, it used to be a bait called the Ogre Slugs. They were made here in Minnesota. It was uh, that basically a guy made a bigger Berkeley Power Slug, right? Gotcha. I made a bag of those and a bag of white flukes and two packs of five-aught Gamagatsu EWG hooks. All braided line, probably way too heavy because I was using musky line. <laughs> and we weighed 21 pounds. Okay. <laughs> And those guys, entire bite, had died. They didn't even come in the top five that night. <laughs> you were flexing. <laughs> okay. So, and if you think I was quiet about it, uh, you'd have thought I won the Bassmaster Classic. <laughs> <laughs> Chirping away. <laughs> oh, God. So, it was one of those things, though, like, hey, this is kind of fun, right? Not only catching a bunch of big fish, but, wow, somebody handed me a check at the end of the day. Yeah. So Joe and I uh, fished. There's a big tournament here in Minnesota on Tonka every year called the Northern Wholesale Tournament. And it's for all the uh, all the tackle retailers and dealers and distributors. And and it's hosted uh, emceed by Jimmy Houston. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So Joe says, hey, let's fish. I'm like, "Okay." so I've never bass fished on Lake Minnetonka. And we literally never left sight of the blast off spot and fished every dock and caught a bunch of bass skipping docks. And from that moment on, I was like, you know what? This bass fishing thing is all right. And it's kind of grown. That's, that's pretty awesome. That's dude. literally I my say. lineage. I got forced into it because somebody wanted to take my money. <laughs> And you obliged and said, watch this. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Hold my beer. Now, Hold I'm my beer. I'm going to tell you, both Quartz and Joe have paid me back tenfold in numerous tournaments since then. Because <laughs> if you ever want to see Quartz fish, beat him. <laughs> beat You'll him. never Quartz. beat him again is what you're saying? Quartz is, Quartz is kind of the uh, the surprise you never saw coming. Right, the the hand under Mona Lisa's skirt. He's got that, you know, big goofy ha ha smile while he's taking yep. your check. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love it. he's the I best trooper I think I've ever met. Oh course. god, <laughs> he's so and good. It's nonstop. His brain yep. can't do anything but think of how to shut you up <laughs> <laughs> while laughing. Uh, right. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's for real though, Andy. Like whether it's pool, it's fishing, whatever. He makes a competition out of it, and he's going to make you feel like crap. But the, you know what? And but I will say, 
so Joe and I have fished muskie tournaments, we've fished walleye tournaments, and we've fished bass tournaments together. Joe is also, I mean, he is that guy that is just steely-eyed, focused, catch fish, right? Quartz, you would never know if Quartz had the greatest day on the water or the worst day on the water. He's just got that goofy grin on his face and happy as can be, right? That's all. And, and he yeah. may have just lost Angler of the Year by one point that he carried all season long and still is the happiest guy and proud to be there. So awesome. I've learned yeah. a ton from the two of those guys. Heck, yeah. Well, dude, that, that's pretty freaking cool, like kind of how you got started in the bass fishing realm. My first question about that is just like, how did the mechanics transfer over from muskie to bass? Was it pretty easy to kind of come back? You said you were skipping docks in like your second tournament. So like skipping no. isn't like the, the easiest thing in the world. No. Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. So mechanics, I'm – I don't know how to say it. I'm, I'm, I'm very good at catching big fish, right? Oh, you see that? Yeah. <laughs> well, but I, and I, if I, there was a possibility of bringing in any boat marshal that's ever had to watch me dock fish, I am without a doubt, mechanically, the worst bass fisherman you have ever seen in your life, ever. <laughs> when you put anything in my hand that I have to place it into a target, as a muskie angler, I'm used to bombing something that weighs almost a pound as far as I possibly can, right? Yeah. As a bass angler, I am now have to force myself to take some chunk of god-awful nothing that weighs nothing and put it in a spot the size of a daffodil. And <laughs> that does not translate to my style at so, all. So it I, sounds I'm, like when Matt's going down the... The rogue docks, you're gonna hear dung, dude. It's I, 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 I'm gonna tell you something. So this is a two part. So at the yes. championship this year, uh, I I had to scrap everything and fish docks, and I and I told my boat marshal, I'm like, you're about to see the worst display of bass fishing you're ever gonna see, and he laughed and he's like, oh come on, you're you're leading angler of the year. How bad could you be? And we were three docks into it, and he said, and I quote. This is painful to watch. <laughs> five dots into it. We were five dots into it. There was a dock, three docks up from the one that we were at. And there was three guys on ladders in the water working on this boat slip and the dock with tools, mind you, that kept looking over their shoulder at the racket that was happening two docks away from them. And that was me. <laughs> That was me. So homeowners love you is what you're saying. <laughs> I, I don't look up. I do not look up. <laughs> That's hilarious. So bad. So bad. I, you know, you know your strengths, you know your weaknesses. If somebody says, Hey, we're gonna fish docks, I He's like, I'm out. Yeah. He's yeah. like, you take trolling motor, I'm good. <laughs> I'm I'm the guy that'll stand in the back of the boat and say, you know what? I bet. I bet there's something on this outside line. I'll cover that and I'll play it off. Like, you know what? We'll really cover water. I just don't want you to see me try and skip under a dock. That's all. <laughs> yeah. oh, I love that. Well, let's, let's dive into that then. Like, what is your strength, dude? Power, power of fishing. So what you'll find with me, and I think anybody that's, you know, and I know a lot of people are always 
that I get asked all the time, what are you doing different? What are you doing? How are you doing this? How are you doing? And, and the key for me is exactly what I said. You got to know your strengths. You got to know your weaknesses, right? I grew up fishing for a fish. Nobody ever got in my boat and said, you know what I really want to do? I want to catch a 30 incher today, right? Nobody muskie fishing says, boy, I'd like to catch some small fish today. So I grew up fishing for a fish that you were forced to learn how to catch the biggest fish, that the, the pride of the pup, yeah. right? Apex. Yeah. And when you're doing nothing but fishing for the apex predator in that area, it's not just muskie fishing. I'm looking for a big muskie. You learn the differences. You learn, okay, they, they use this versus this. Little ones like this, big ones like this. You learn all kinds of things about water temperature. You learn shade lines. You learn rocks over weeds and why rocks warm quicker, why rocks hold heat, right? I mean, you learn a ton of different things fishing for big fish. Because of the the presentations, power fishing is my thing. I, I had to stay far away from those fish. I couldn't encroach on them because the, the problem with muskies is they're the biggest pansies in fresh water. They can't deal with pressure. They can't deal with sound. They can't deal with a weather change or noise or, right? They, they just, they don't deal with any of that stuff well. So you, you, you got to play everything right. It's not that they're smart. It's because they're babies. Mm. But I learned to cast a long ways, a long ways. Like, I, I'll tell you this, as bad as I am at a dock, and I'll, anybody that wants to step up and try me, jump in the boat. And if you can cast a bait caster further than me, I'll give you my rod. Right. And that's, it's my strength. So how that translated to bass was what I came to figure out was big bass are so different than small bass. Right. Right. And, and when I say that, it's, it's the lake. You can't just say, well, four pounders are different than five pounders. Some lakes, a four-pounder is the big fish, right? right. Some lakes, a, a six-pounder is the big fish. Uh, you just – so you had to start dialing that in. Does that make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you're making perfect sense right now. So smallmouth, you know, smallmouth were – smallmouth are kind of my arch nemesis because I'm like everybody else. I'm a hero until – the end of June, right? I'm the greatest small, shallow water smallmouth fisherman you're going to find in my mind, right? When a smallmouth leaves shallow water and becomes a smallmouth again, <laughs> I'm done. You know, <laughs> like right now, if you guys said, hey, we're going out on the Niagara River and we're going to catch smallmouth, let's each take a boat and find smallmouth. Yeah. I, I, you would I crush them right now. Because I'm power fishing the world out of them. So, <laughs> well, then, bad example. And why am I not here? <laughs> so, but, yeah. yeah. So, it, it was, I, I, I learned quickly that I loved shallow water, I loved power presentation, and I loved specifically targeting the big bass, right? 
I don't care if I only catch one. You're going to remember that I caught that fish. And it, the Champions Tour, I've never won one. I've never won one. You've got guys like Noah Schultz, Matt Peters, right? They, they've won numerous events yeah. of these. I'm sitting on your show right now, right? Because people remember who won and who caught the biggest fish. I don't care what the format is. Everybody loves big fish. That's That's, me. That's a fact. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Everybody loves big fish. It doesn't matter where I go. If somebody knows the Champions Tour, they'll say, hey, you're the Yeti guy. They don't even know my damn name. (laughs) (laughs) The Yeti guy. You're the Yeti guy. And, and you'll see somebody standing next to me, look at me like, well, you don't look hairy, you know? So you think, so you think that that long super, like that bomb cast is one, one key to triggering bigger bites just for the pure fact that it's less pressure. No, no, not at all. It, it was just the, the, the example of learning how to bad, like the, the power of fishing sense of it. Now, I don't need to make long bombing casts for bass by any means. It's just what I learned was to concentrate more on an area, what was inside that area than a spot, right? Right. And how to cover that area effectively. Sometimes it took a long cast. Sometimes it was short casts and really picking it apart. But every spot has a sweet spot. Right. And to me, the sweet spot isn't where the school is going to be. It's going to be the fish that refuses to be with that school. It's where it's going to be. It's going to, and what I've also found with bass, just like muskies, is a big fish spot is always a big fish spot, right? I, I, historically, I can come there year after year after year and catch another big fish. Yeah, that, that's pretty true. I mean, Andy, how many times do we hear about that? Like in our lakes, where we oh. find out that lunker comes from, at least where oh. they say, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. It's almost always very, it, it might not be the spot on a spot, but it's a spot within an area of a lake. The, and that's you know? the key. It's that spot within an area that there's lots of rocky spots in the weeds, right? Mm-hmm. Why is it this rock always seems to hold the biggest fish in this weed bed? And it could be the fact that it's a boulder as opposed to a rock pile. Or is there a crack in it? Yeah. Is there a stupid crack in it that the fish tucks into and sucks up some extra warmth? Who knows, right? Yeah. To me, with fish, and this is the other side of the musky world, food. It's all about food. They don't eat weeds. They don't eat logs. They don't eat rocks. They don't eat docks. They don't eat bridges. They don't eat pilings. They don't eat any of that crap, right? They eat food. Now, if the food is anywhere near one of those pieces of structure, they will absolutely use it as an ambush point, a protective point, a cover spot. But if the food's not there, they're not there, period. They are not there. They will go to the food. Right. So I hate spot fishing in the sense of history. Right, because it's so easy to get caught up on. Well, this is the spot. Yeah, they're not here. Well, why are they not here? There's nothing to eat. They're not going to be here. So, so find the food. Yeah, 
So is that something like, say, in practice that you're looking for visually or with your electronics, you're looking more for just kind of finding bait fish over fish? Here's what changed my life in the sport of fishing. Being a muskie fisherman, electronics never really meant anything to me other than depth, right? That's all I was looking for was depth. Electronics, and I'm fortunate enough to be with Humminbird, Minn Kota. You know, I've got the one boat network. To to me, there is nothing better, especially, I'm going to quote John Daly here, I don't need to be great when you, when I've got great equipment, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, that one boat network for a guy like me who was never an electronics person has completely changed the game for me because what it's done is two things. It's allowed me to go back to big fish spots and figure out what the magic was about that big fish spot. Find the why. Find the why. It's allowed me to take that why and duplicate it somewhere. Find that somewhere else I never would have looked because there's so much water. You're talking about X Lake. How am I going to find that over here? Right. Electronics have done that. But the biggest game changer for me was the food because between point A and point B, when I was, I would fish here, I would fish here. I would just drive here. Never knew what was in between there. Never cared what was in between there electronics completely change that game because all of a sudden I've found bait, 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 one rock, whatever in between there. And some of the biggest fish I've caught in my life have been nowhere near a stick, a weed, a rock, a dock. They've been 25 feet of water hanging seven foot under the surface and as cool as smelt, right? (laughs) Can't do that without electronics. So, let me hit you with this because this is a theory that I love talking about and I can't take credit for it. This is actually Benjamin Nowak who on the show probably two years ago, we talked about this. Um, and it was, I- I'm curious if, if you found this to be true with, you know, where you're catching some of your you know big bass for these tournaments is you will have a, you'll have a bunch of bait. You'll have a condensation, a school of bass that are around that bait and then a little bit pushed off is that alpha fish that might not be like, we're not talking like a mile away. We're talking like maybe a couple hundred yards where anglers aren't focused on. They might be a little bit to the left where you might fish here and that's it. And you'll move on. Whereas they're just hunkered down doing their own thing by themselves as a territorial thing. Do you believe in that? Have you found that to be a hundred percent, almost 110%. It is the only place that I've ever felt that I could make a cast in and catch a one pound bass and a five pound bass is a dock. A dock is the the greatest equalizer. It's a dock will hold anything, right? But if I'm catching one pound, two pound, three pound fish in a spot, I, and I've been proven wrong. So by no means am I telling you this is gospel. I leave it because I'm not going to catch a five pounder there, but I don't go far. I start trying to find if it's a rock in weeds, let's say, right. I'm not necessarily looking for another rock inside the weeds. I'll find that first sand hole just off of that rock, right? 
because that sand hole is a lot easier for that fish to use than a rock with a school of fish in competition. He'll right. sit in that sand hole because if you ever watch bait, whether it's crayfish, minnows, they will use sand, any kind of a transition, weeds to sand transition. They right. always use it. So that's where I've always found my biggest bass wasn't necessarily on the prime rock. It was on that stupid little hole just before the rock. Gotcha. Hmm. That makes sense. What would you yeah. say, I mean, from a power standpoint, so you mentioned obviously power is like your go-to for a technique, like yeah. top three Chaos things thing. on your deck, like top three baits. So it's funny in saying that, right? You would think every tournament you watch me, I got nothing but bait casters laying on my deck. Some, and Mark Quartz made probably the best quote to me in this champions tour uh, where he said, egg beaters win these things, right? Egg beaters win. <laughs> you better learn how to use an egg beater. And I, he's so right. It's because I, I, I've come to believe that I, I was always a, a, the bigger the bait, the bigger the fish guy. Big fish, big bait, right? Gotcha. It, it, it's not always the bait. It's the spot. It's the presentation, the power of the Ned rig. And man, this is to me a discussion all on its own because this is the world's greatest debate. Some guys say, oh, it's a jig worm. I've been doing it for 30 years. A jig worm and a Ned rig are not the same thing, right? Right. Ned Keedle is the guy responsible for the Ned rig. And if you saw him, you would think he might have passed away after he made a cast, right? He doesn't move the damn thing. He throws it out there, he sets a rod down, and it doesn't move. Watch guy with a jig worm. You are the presentation. Right. I, I swear, if you're about to say that you've caught 10 out of 15 big bass on a Ned Rig, I'm, I'm going to end the show. <laughs> I, uh, I I can tell you this. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> I have not. Okay, thank God. Okay, we're good. Here we go. <laughs> but throughout, the summer, there, boys. <laughs> throughout the summer, every year, that damn Ned Rig – produces some of my biggest bass for me. And, and I'm not talking smallmouth. I'm talking largemouth with a stupid little Ned rig that's sitting in that stupid stand, sand hole for what seems like a lifetime. And all of a sudden I watch my line slide away and I got wow. a six pounder. <laughs> it's like, so, and I call it tiny child fishing or take your mom fishing, right? Because that's what it is. <laughs> it's one of those things that you would take your mom fishing and, and she was constantly doing this with the bait and you would say, stop it. Just set your rod down. And she would catch six pounder. That's what I'm doing with a Ned rig. Oh, I'm fishing like my mom. It's, it's, it's <laughs> so funny that you like say that though. Like I can't tell you how many times with small mouth I've like thrown something out, set it down, left the bail open to retie something else. Even like on guide trips, and all of a sudden, I'd like pick up the rod, and it'll be the biggest fish of the day, just sitting there doing nothing. Or, or you look over and you see some fish jumping out of the water, and say, yeah. "Oh, that's weird." And then you realize it's jumping out of the water because it's trying to throw your bait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, hey, that fish is jumping. Hey, my rod's moving. <laughs> you know what do you do? You release that fish, make another cast, and reel it in, right? <laughs> it's human nature. I got it. I got to wiggle it. The the key with it is, and I'm not sponsored by him. And I I apologize if I'm stepping on toes here. 
but a LASTEC, right? You talk about things that have changed the industry for me or the, my way of fishing, a LASTEC, that floating plastic, right? Because of the fact of, I don't care, I, I love power bait, I love max scent, I love zoom, I love robo worms, I love all that stuff. But every one of those hits the bottom of the lake and it tips over and it lays on the bottom, right? That's why I have to give it the action. Laztec hits the bottom and it literally sits there and does that, right? So the whole time my rod's laying there and I'm doing something, I got this. And that fish can't take it. They can't. They have to eat it. Uh, I sound like the banjo minnow guy. It's a genetic response. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I'm saying. I just, Laztec changed the plastics game for me. So what other baits are you catching your big fish on besides an injury? So I'm going to use this here. Uh, here I here I sit here preaching power fishing, big muskie fisherman, one pound. <laughs> so the first tournament, uh, I caught everything on a hair jig, a 332nd ounce marabou jig on eight pound braid and an eight pound fluorocarbon later. Uh, the next tournament, I caught everything on a 332nd ounce hair jig. Eight-pound braid, eight-pound fluorocarbon leader. Uh, the next tournament, I caught everything on a Ned Rig or uh, a Yamamoto Fat Ica. Okay. And the next tournament, I finally, finally at the championship, got to pick up a damn bait caster and bang some pontoons. <laughs> no, no, the wait, no, I'm not dumb enough to try a bait caster around a pontoon. Dude, I can't skip a dock with a fairy rod. <laughs> you think I'm, be, I'm not Andy Morgan here, right? Yeah. I'm catastrophic at that point, catastrophic. Oh, God. Hey, seriously, I, I would sink a pontoon with a half ounce jig and a bait caster. Oh, my God. So, I was so excited for the championship this year. So excited because, man, pre-fishing, I blasted them on a bait caster, casting chatter baits, throwing jerk baits, throwing a little bit on a rig. I was like, man, this is going to be monster for me. I didn't even put a spinning rod on my deck, right? Because I refused. I'm not doing it. I'm not using a spinning rod. I've been using that damn thing all summer, and I hate them. So... You launch in order of your Angler of the Year points for the championship. I was in first place. So I got first blast off, first pick of the litter. We're on a thousand acre lake. You're not going to get a chance to fish a spot more than one time by yourself. Right. 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 I got my plan all laid out. I had a perfect four to seven foot weed edge that had clumps of cabbage mixed into milfoil that was holding Pre-fishing, I caught, everybody was telling me about all the little ones. I caught so many four-pound-plus fish pre-fishing this spot. Like, this is it. I'm going to, and all I needed to do was get, be in the top 10 and just cruise to Angler of the Year, right? Right. Launch out there, pull out. Uh, You guys know who Chad Grigsby Grigsby is from the MLF? Yeah. That's, I mean, when I tell you about the guys that fish this champions tour, it's, it's legit. You're fishing against Jim Moyna, Chad Grigsby, Noah Schultz. I mean, these guys are legit. Chad Grigsby pulls into the same spot. Now, most people might be pissed off. Me, I'm thinking, holy shit, 
I'm fishing the same spot with Chad Grigsby. I picked the right spot, right? <laughs> We're in a smaller area, and he says, which way are you going to go? I said, I'm going to work right down here. He said, I'll go inside, and I'll work this way. And I told my boat marshal, I'm like, oh, I feel bad. Because had he been here first, he'd have set his boat right where we were. He's He's got to fish that crap inside line. <laughs> yeah. An hour and a half into it, he had 21 pounds and I had two. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and I was falling fast. So, yeah, the best laid plans, right? The, the most humbling sport I've ever seen in my life. Of had mm-hmm. the, I, I felt bad for Jack Grigsby. And then I got to watch him sack up 21 pounds while I caught two. So we <laughs> we fleed the scene, not because I had a better spot, because I could not watch that anymore. Yeah. The worst part is, is I ended up using a damn spinning rod for the rest of the day. Oh, no. So, did you, did you yeah. have big bass for the championship too? I did. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay, so walk through it. How did you catch big bass in the championship? Uh, Yamamoto fat, fat Ica, How one of those stupid it? forgotten baits, right? Uh, rig backwards, you know, that just isn't rigged. that the only way to rig it is backwards? You know, I, I think so. It's the only way I know how to rig it, but then again, I, you know, nobody ever talks about the fat Ica until you say. Fat Ica, and then they want to tell you all the magic of a Fat Ica, right? You know, you know what was better than the Fat Ica was the Konami Flash Palm Tree. So uh, I'll sell you seven tree. bags of them. <laughs> so I've got seven bags that I don't know if if I had a starving fish in a tank that I could stuff it in its face and it would eat it. So. I, I don't know why, but I've, I've talked to other guys that tell me the palm tree is better than the fat Ica. Huh. But I've never me, heard of palm tree. Yeah, the yeah. only one that I like is the, the chartreuse tail watermelon bodied one. That was the only one I hmm. used. Fat so Ica, it's, it's always green pumpkin black. Yeah, for me, it's green pumpkin purple flake or pumpkin pumpkin black flake or watermelon red flake. Mm-hmm. So it hmm. just kind of depends if I'm crayfish or bluegills right so and i'll go full jimmy houston here of i don't care what color it is as long as it's green pumpkin i guess yes so So, well for folks that are watching with us we have the fat ica up on the up on the screen and if you're listening if you want to know what the uh, fat ica is and you want to get some you can head over to omnia fishing use code series 10 if you want to get yourself some um, but we f- thought we'd put it up there because p- some people were probably like, what, th- what the hell's a fat Ica? Yeah. So, who, who is he insulting right now? And who's fat? Like, so, it, <laughs> well, and it's funny, Andrew, because, you know, people watching this show that may have never heard of it. When you say, how are you rigging it? Right. It looks like a tube, yeah. but it's not a tube. It's a solid, solid body. And when you say rig it backwards, people look at you like, huh? Right. But if you come in from that skirt and Texas rig it and bring your hook back through the body, it's actually, it, it's the original flying lure, I guess, for lack of a better term. It backslides. It, it, it backslides. And as anyone who's ever found a bait that went backwards, fish can't stand something that comes at them. When they nose up to it, 
and all of a sudden it comes back at them, that's it. It's game on. So, yeah, that Fat Ike is the, the forgotten lure that I never forgot because I'm new to this. So, <laughs> I don't know shit. <laughs> so, are you putting it on a Ned rig? Is that how you're rigging it? No. No, I'm texting. Okay. Yep. With like a, like a bullet weight on the front or what? Nope. Unweighted. Oh, weightless. Yeah. It, it's a solid oh, body and it's, it's Yamamoto. Like one ounce of plastic. <laughs> yeah. It's a Yamamoto bait. So it's, it, for some reason, everything Yamamoto has, has just the perfect amount of salt in it. Right. And everything he's got sinks at the, tell me why a Senko is still better than every knockoff of a Senko. I, I can't I tell. I don't know. But I, do I couldn't know. tell you because I, I don't throw Senkos. I refuse to pay the amount of money for Senkos. But everybody that says that say, yeah, my Senkos got all tore up. You mean by the fish? Because I got lots of baits I haven't caught shit on. Do you want those? I'll take you Senkos. I, I <laughs> oh, yeah. probably have I mean, like I don't 60 argue bags of Senkos just because they work. Yeah. I just I just throw yum dingers if I don't want to throw like Maxent and then Yum dingers were perfectly fine for me. No, and I will tell you that uh, yes, the yum ding yum dinger is right there. Yeah. That max scent. I'm gonna. There is. It's not the bait. If you look at a chunk of max scent in the water, it is probably the crappiest looking bait that Berkeley has ever made. I don't care if it's a general, a little general. It, it has zero action, and it is a fluttering bag of crap. Right. <laughs> But, I feel attacked. <laughs> but fish will swim. It's like blood in the water. Fish will swim a hundred yards and choke that thing unbelievably. <laughs> so while the max scent craze is while they're eating max scent, I'm throwing max scent. I feel like max scent is the new power bait. Right. No. Yeah, they it's eat. uh it's interesting. You ever take the flatworm? Take that stupid flatworm that is always out of stock because it's the ultimate drop shot bait, right? Put it in the water. Put it in a glass of water and tell me. The the thing hangs there literally like a a drop of bird shit sinking to the bottom. (laughs) I love this analogy. They're not eating eating the flatworm. They're eating max scent. It's yeah. a science, man. That's that's what they. It's how they advertise it. It's a science. I'm not saying they didn't win because I'm yeah, buying right. them. Yeah, Fish eat right. sinking bird shit by accident. <laughs> by accident. That's a t-shirt. <laughs> Put that on your bag with me going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Oh, I love it. That's amazing. Well, so with the to kind of round out this conversation. So we talked about baits, kind of how you approach them. You know, electronics has definitely made an, a difference. What are what is the the primarily uh, electronic systems that you're running? Like, is, are you throwing? Th- are you using 360, 2D mapping? Like, what are the what are the important things for you? So the the biggest thing for me to to start is that Lake Master mapping. Lake Master mapping gives me an advantage that nobody else has in the sense of the the deep the the contour lines in a Lake Master chip are above and beyond what anybody else has. The color highlights, I can lay out exactly what I'm looking for. 
the topography on the Lake Master Plus is unrivaled. I found that out on the river at this first tournament this year. Every fish I caught was culverts coming out of riprap, right? Yeah. Instead of running hundreds of miles of riprap, I just sat on my Lake Master chip and found every culvert in the riprap and marked it and would run to that culvert and catch fish immediately, right? Yeah. That's not so, the fire alarm, is it? Uh, we got a rig back and back in right now. I was like, are you being called out right now? <laughs> no, no, you'll uh, trust me. You'll hear the, the, a little bit of profanity, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mostly from me because I got to miss it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so that's that's step one. I can do that in my driveway, right? right. That's the beauty of that. The, the, once again, the, the 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 growth in this industry. But once once I leave the console of my boat. The, the greatest asset for me, what taught me and, and teaches me every time I'm on the water is 360. 360, mega 360 is take everything I own away, put ore locks on my Skeeter boat and leave me one graph with a 360 and I'll be happy. I really okay. will. That mega 360 is I live and die off my mega 360. So how I run my boat is I run two two 10-inch helixes at the console. One I run sonar, one I run mapping, kind of split them, do whatever I'm going to do, side imaging, full screens, half screens, down imaging, whatever. Mapping, I'll zoom in, split this, whatever. I love the helixes for that because when I'm running across the lake with a Solex, I bounce my face off it or something stupid, right? And now I'm in New York. So I'm, I'm not, I'm telling you, I'm a, if you saw me dock fish, you would know that why I don't figure skate. I can barely walk on dry land. I'm not going to strap skates on my feet. Right. <laughs> so when I get to the bow, I run a helix for, I run a helix 15 for mapping and for mega live, which gotcha. we'll get into, I guess. But I run a Solix up there for my 360, and then I run the high-accuracy antenna with that, and I run mega down imaging on that, and, and I live and die off that unit. Gotcha. Dang. Okay. That's a pretty rigged-up setup. I, yeah. It's, you know, and it's funny because I have all this, and other than – the hull of my boat, my raptors are probably wet just as much. <laughs> so <laughs> I've had guys tell me, I've had guys tell me that if if my raptors can't touch bottom, they know I'm just driving to the next spot. So <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. There's a lot of guys that can say the exact same thing. Are uh, are you are you running target lock like Noah is too? So I am not. And the reason being is Mega Live to me is it, it, it's not my jam. Forward facing sonar is not my jam. And, and which is strange if you think about everything I've said of how I fish, right? It should be the greatest asset tool for me. It, it's not. I, that 360 is. Gotcha. I will tell you that I've been in the boat with Target Lock. 
And if you're going to have forward-facing sonar, there is no greater asset to it. what I just said about Lake Master chips to your mapping mm-hmm. is what target lock is to forward-facing sonar, right? Gotcha. Okay. It's not just a people think of a target. Uh, I'm going to set on this rock and work around this rock. A ball of bait, it will lock on a ball of bait and it will track a ball of bait. Hmm. That's pretty impressive. I, I it's it's unheard of. Yeah. And it's one of those things people can say, oh, this guy has better forward facing sonar and this company has this and this company has that. Show me what beats, show me what I can lock onto a ball of bait and my boat tracks it while I cast. Target lock. That's it. Touché. Yeah, touche. <laughs> yeah. Andy, you have anything left for, for Matt before oh. we hit him with our last question of the night? I am just honestly surprised that he said a Ned rig. Like, I'm still flabbergasted. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you took away from this whole thing. I got down about rocks holding heat. Oh, here's why. Like, when I thought musky fisherman, right? Like, I'm like, he's catching them on like a big swim bait or a glide bait or something. He's like, I'm catching them on a fat Ica in a Ned rig. And that, and no. it speaks volumes to how bass fishermen always overthink it. And that, I, that was the point I was getting to is we overthink it so much that all you need is this dumb little turd and some seagull poop and you can catch some bass. Nailed it. <laughs> Flatworm. <laughs> I will tell you this. I do. There's. If I can leave anybody with something, right. I will exhaust what I love to do in practice. One thing that anyone that fishes against me will tell you, I'm, I don't practice. Hmm. I, these guys will take a week, two weeks, whatever. I'm two days, three days tops for practice, right? I will exhaust what I love to do on day one. And if it works, that's what I'm doing. If it doesn't work day two or day three is when I do all the other stuff. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. So a yeah. net, anything I got to throw with a fairy rod is the last thing out of the rod locker. But if I've exhausted everything I love to throw, a big swim bait, things like that, right? And I'm not catching the fish that I want to catch, I got to change. And that Ned rig and that damn 332nd ounce Marabou jig put the Angler of the Year trophy on my counter this year. So how do I not tell people to throw it? Right. How do I not? I'm not doing it. I could sit here and tell you to throw a hundred dollar swim bait till I'm blue in the face, but it's not fair to the people watching this. Yeah. That uh, Omnia is going to have a crap ton of fat Ica orders in Minnesota tonight. I love it. I love yeah. it. Right. The forgotten bait no more. So yeah. once again, I'm, Man, I wish Gary Yamamoto. I've, I've I've checked my phone a couple of times. I don't I don't have anything coming in from ya, Yamamoto yet. So, tell <laughs> Omnia if they want to throw a big fat Ica's my way, feel free. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Love awesome. It. Well, dude, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this show up here in a second, and we're gonna hit you with our last question of the night. Okay, uh, and that is if you could sit down with three different individuals. Uh, they could be alive thousand years ago, could be alive now. Doesn't matter. They don't even have to be fishing. They could be sports. They could be whomever. 
Uh, if you want to sit down with three different individuals, have a steak, have a beer, and pick their brain, who are you going to pick and why? Wow. <laughs> Good luck. The floor is yours. <laughs> yeah, you're going to make a guy that talked about bird poop. Yeah, that's right. Pound, right. That's right. Well, we'll even do this. We'll make you the only one on the screen. <laughs> Why? So I can't see Andy. <laughs> is Andy making fun of me when I'm not uh, looking? Yeah, or yeah. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> I, you know that. Okay. Um, I, I don't care if you told me I could have a hundred people. The first person would have to be my grandfather. Uh, he's uh, he's a guide Hall of Famer. He's in the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame and. Unfortunately, he uh, he passed when I was nine, and I would love I would love to see what he thought of his grandson leaving dumb flat-headed buzzard fishing to become a bass fisherman. So, and the jokes that would come out of him would be phenomenal. Um, number two, I would have to say Vince Lombardi. Vince okay. Lombardi, simply because of love the Packers. Um, little known fact about me, my first name is actually Zeke. I use my middle name, Matthew. Oh, uh, I'm named after Zeke Bradkowski, who was a backup quarterback for the Packers for Lombardi. But I don't, I don't know that you'll ever see a man again that got more out of less than Vince Lombardi, right? So to, to learn – that strategy to get more from less. Okay. Third, I, gotta, I have a question. I apologize okay. for cutting you off. I'm just so curious now. Why the backup quarterback? I'm curious. <laughs> Do you know why? Why can't I skip under a duck? You know, I, there's, <laughs> there's as good as I am strengths and weaknesses. My dad named me. I'm going to go out on a limb and say my dad would be my weakness after <laughs> a backup quarterback. So <laughs> my oh, mom, my mom chose my middle name. You see which one I'm using. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Mom won. <laughs> um, man, number three. Number three. I, I, I guess it's not a person as, as much as a, a, a whole I, I would either one of them or any one of them, any the first responders that responded on 9-11 driving to a building that they had no business going into and every one of them going into it, I, I would love nothing more than to serve one of them or all of them one last dinner. So, yeah, I uh, – I, I, because there's not a one of them knowing what they know now that wouldn't respond the exact same way. Yeah. It's badass, man. I love that answer. That's probably the best answer we've ever had, Andy. I agree. <laughs> Thank Hell you. Yeah. Dude, that, that's, I don't know if we want to add anything else to the show. I think we just need to sign off. <laughs> that, that was perfect. Dude, Matt, for real, I'm still kind of taken aback by the answer. <laughs> I, I, I think especially right now more than ever too. That, that's, that means a lot, but um, for real, dude, it was awesome to get you on the show. Um, we've I'm been sorry. looking forward to this, especially just, you know, hearing from the different mentality you had that Noah described to us. And I told you on the phone today, 
that I have my phone was my phone was blowing up and we were getting no on like dude you gotta have Matt on like it'd be a great great show and obviously it's an amazing show dude we gotta get you back on here but it's it's it was good to get you on here learn from you especially coming from the musky world and just kind of like I'm like dude we we literally thought it was a typo when we saw ten out of fifteen like when we heard it was real like we got to talk to this guy so it was it was cool to break it down with you and I appreciate you taking the time out. Man, and you guys have no idea. You got to remember, I'm still, this is all surreal for me. When you talk about a typo, I still feel like when somebody says, hey, you're angler of the year, I still look over my shoulder to see if they're talking to somebody else. So this is this is surreal for me, and this has been an absolute honor to sit down with you guys and, and to have Noah Schultz, you know, I, I cannot speak enough about not just Noah, but the 49 anglers that I've fished against in the champions tour and the entire crew at classic bass. What you see in Noah is what Scott Bonema represents and presents in the champions tour. And he demands that out of his anglers. So it's genuine. Hell yeah. That's awesome, dude. Well, man, we we appreciate it, and we hope to uh, get you back on this show here soon. And let's let's stay in touch, man. Big ones, please. And anytime, Andy, if you want me on one of your bait shows, I I think I'd be a perfect guest for that because I could be the yang to your yang. You can get super technical with it. And I'll lay it out of it's a bag of crap. (laughs) (laughs) And it drops like bird shit into the water. (laughs) I'm saying yang and yang, Andy. I think we got something, buddy. (laughs) I love it. It's fantastic. Well, Matt, do again. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good night. All right. Take care. Stay safe. Yep. Thank you. Dude, that's awesome. Uh, I, I know Matt was saying multiple times, he's kind of like forewarning. He's like, man, I'll talk forever. I'm like, oh, great. Like, I was joking at first. I was like, you make a great you know, podcast guest because the greatest guests are the ones that talk forever. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because it's a podcast. People want to listen. Um, so it was, But it, it turned out to be a really good show. Um, and I was, I was really excited from the start. And I think that's one uh, we definitely got to get Matt back on. Uh, I think just for the pure fact of analogies, that man is – you know, they say people in the South are known for analogies, but <laughs> the man was full of them tonight and some really good ones, especially talking about the Max Hint. That one was actually my favorite. Yeah. But uh, a, a really good show here tonight. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Um, I don't believe Matt has any social media, so that I don't think there's anything going to be linked down below uh, besides the new podcast that we have coming to the network that will be literally airing tomorrow. Uh, if you're watching this after Friday, you know, then the show is already out. So all the links below to Instagram, to YouTube, to MP3s for Lure Lab will be linked in every single show moving forward. So you guys can make sure you're catching up. If you want to check it out, please do leave it a rating review on MP3. Same with this show. If you've not already, make sure you subscribe to this channel and the Lure Lab. Um, Andy, I got some some big plans this weekend. Yeah, I know. Well, well hopefully Maybe. all well don't have to go to Florida. But obviously, we'll have to drop the hat if we do. But plan is, uh, if all's well, is to drive down to Pennsylvania on Saturday to go practice and compete in Ike's kayak charity tournament, and then go sit in uh, in studio on Ike Live. Yeah, that's gonna awesome. be pretty fun. Yeah, 
So hopefully that's going to be fun. We're literally going to go sleep in our truck for the weekend, film it all. That'll be on my YouTube channel, which has a new uh, video that dropped uh, this past Thursday. So yesterday, if you're listening on Friday, uh, I'm going to film all that and put it on the channel as well. But uh, got a big month coming up because literally about a month, I'm probably leaving for Tournament of Champions. Yeah, I mean, thinking of the Tournament of Champions and everything going on down in Florida, what would have happened if that tournament hit Louisiana again? I don't know, man. I don't think we'd be having it. No, probably not. It probably would have been moved. No, dude, it's scary stuff. It really is. Um, I don't know what to to make of it just yet. So we're going to take the day one day at a time and hope for the best from the parents, but I know yeah. that's uh, not the case for a lot of people. So it's a sad situation. I think I saw something today that they're, as of right now, as they're going through the damages, they're saying it might be the deadliest storm in Florida history, which is insane with what you think Florida has been hit with already. Yeah. I mean, it really hits home for us here too. We have a lot of family in the Fort Myers, Lehigh acre. Lehigh Fort Valley. Myers got the worst. Yeah. Too. Fort Myers. And then just North, like up near where your family is, we have some family as well. So, uh, and I don't know if we've heard from any of them today or not. So we're, I'm waiting to see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. So again, thank you to first responders, the people that are trying to help other people. Thank you to the linemen, the the 42,000 or some gigantic number that I saw lined up, ready to go help. And uh, hopefully we'll come out of this better than uh, where we went into it. So, so for folks, we appreciate you guys. We have a really good show coming up next Tuesday for Tuesday night live. Uh, We're having Carl Jacobson on the show and then next Thursday, is Mr. Jeff Gustafson. Uh, so we have a really good week of shows coming up. And can you see my cat right now that locked himself in my yes. office? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. And on that note, we're going to sign off for the night. We will see you guys next week. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners, where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.